Welcome. You are listening to the Lathrop High School Library Podcast. I am Ethan Evans, the librarian here at Lathrop High School. We're going to be splitting up our show into different segments going forward. We're trying to vary our content and not just be strictly gateway interviews. I'm going to start opening each show by reading a poem. Today's poem is A Box of Pastels by Ted Kuzer. I once held on my knees a simple wooden box in which a rainbow lay dusty and broken. It was a set of pastels that had years before belonged to the painter Mary Cassett, and all of the colors she'd used in her work lay open before me. Those hues she'd most used, the peaches and pinks, were worn down to stubs, while the cool colors, violet, ultramarine, had been set, scarcely touched to one side. She had little patience with darkness and her heart held only a measure of shadow. I touched the warm dust of those colors, her tools, and left there with light on the tips of my fingers. Again, that's A Box of Pastels by Ted Kuzer um, in his 2004 work, Delights and Shadows. We've got uh, two different segments for you guys today. First off, we'll have an interview with Aubrey, a member of Book Club, who will be talking to us about Jennifer Niven's All the Bright Places. That will be followed by a segment looking at some upcoming book releases, talking about the author's previous work, and uh, just shedding light on some books we're really excited about. Enjoy! Alright, I am here with Aubrey, another member of Book Club, who is here today to talk about Gateway nominee All the Bright Places by Jennifer Niven. She's going to break the story down for us a little bit, and then um, she and I are going to talk about a couple different things. So, Aubrey, take it away. Okay, so All the Bright Places, it kind of circles around this boy named Theodore Finch, who is going through a lot of things in his life, and just a lot of mental obstacles that he has to cross while he's trying to like find his way out of it and he meets this girl named Violet and they kind of try to help each other get out of that rut that they're in while they're helping each other of course like there's a lot of downfalls but I mean there were some positive outcomes that they were able to find and you could really see how they were struggling with each other but also with their only with themselves I guess mm-hmm. Um, so obviously this book deals, uh, with depression, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty heavy, um, and, you know, you and I talked, and obviously I don't think either of us feel like we can speak from extreme personal experience with these characters, because they're, I mean, especially Theodore mm-hmm. is particularly, um, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's having a real hard time, but do you think the book handled depression in a way that wasn't cliche or wasn't, you know, just like everything gets, you know, wrapped up in a nice, neat little bow. Do you think that, do you think that it felt real? Um, like, like you said, I don't really know a lot about depression and stuff, but from what I've seen and from what I've seen other people go through when they struggle with depression, I feel like the book handled it correctly. Um, everything wasn't like, in some books you can see that like, 
like they'll be happy after they meet each other mm-hmm. and everything's fine and that's not how this book is right it's not like a it's not like an episode of a TV show yeah. right <laughs> yeah like as soon as they meet each other everything is not okay yeah like, which I don't know about you but like it's kind of interesting when that happens for me because like there's part of me inside that I know you know that I recommend like sad books mm-hmm. all the time <laughs> a lot of times just because I, I like a lot of there are a lot of really good books out there that yeah you know, have sad moments, I'd say, but, like, even me, like, I'm reading it, and I'm wanting things to end this way, even though I know in my heart that, like, it would be a really cliche way of ending things, um, you know, where, yeah, girl, guy meets girl, suddenly everything in life is better, and he's ready to become a better person, but I, I think there's something to be said for a book that can make you want that, but then still have kind of idea that not everything works out perfectly, because not everything works out perfectly in life, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, tell me a little bit about the writing. What did you think? There were a lot of moments where this book could change how you feel. Like, you read this book, and you just feel everything that these characters are feeling. Even, like, even if you can't relate, like, you get so enthralled in it that you feel, you feel them. I mean, I do that in most books, I guess. Like, you feel what they're feeling, but right. really in this one, I, like, put myself in their shoes. Yeah. And well, it was, it was rough. Yeah. It was rough. But, I mean, I think it's how you, I mean, again, not to sound like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Actually, I'd be okay sounding like Mr. Rogers' <laughs> Neighborhood, because I like Mr. Rogers. But, like, that's how you build empathy. Like, there are studies out there about how reading makes you more empathetic, because you are, like, you get the opportunity to put yourself in other shoes. And like you said you don't necessarily feel like you have, like, you're not the guiding voice on how depression affects somebody, you know, but, like, maybe you feel better able to handle situations or at least a little bit more versed in what that looks like for somebody based on reading this book, which I think is, like, hugely important, right? Yeah. So, um, so tell me what you're going to be reading next or what you are reading right now. In my backpack currently, I still have Indian Oliver. Okay. I have not started it yet. And me and Oliver by Robin Benway, which is one of the gateways this year. Yeah. So, but you're planning on starting it soon? Hopefully, this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Miss Bridget is playing the theme song to Friends right now, next door. Yes, she is. Yeah. All right, well, thank you, Aubrey, for coming and talking about this book. Uh, it, like I said, it's it's a it's a emotional book. It's heavy, for sure, but I think it's important, um, especially for... Those individuals who sometimes, you know, don't know how to, maybe if you feel like you don't know what depression looks like or how you would react um, in a situation where somebody that you care about is extremely depressed, um, you know, this book can make you look at that um, and make you think about that and maybe you agree with what some of the characters, you know, what the characters do or maybe you don't agree with everything the characters do, but I think it's a a way of looking at individuals who are... uh, who are really hurting and how you can do your best to try to, to try to affect that. So, uh, all right, well, Aubrey, appreciate you coming in. We'll probably talk to you again sometime. So see you guys. One of the segments we'd like to start doing is taking a look ahead at some of the new books that will be coming out soon. Um, highlighting particular books and authors and and giving you a little glimpse into what they've got coming out soon. 
The first book that I'm going to talk about today is Turtles All the Way Down by John Green, and I'm going to go ahead and read a description of the novel. 16-year-old Aza never intended to pursue the mystery of fugitive billionaire Russell Pickett, but there's a $100,000 reward at stake, and her best and most fearless friend Daisy is eager to investigate. So together they navigate the short distance and broad divides that separate them from Russell Pickett's son Davis. Aza is trying. She's trying to be a good daughter, a good friend, a good student, and maybe even a good detective, while also living within the ever-tightening spiral of her own thoughts. In his long-awaited return, John Green, the acclaimed award-winning author of Looking for Alaska and the Fault in Our Stars, shares Aza's story with shattering, unflinching clarity in this brilliant novel of love, resilience, and the power of lifelong friendship. This book is coming out on October 10th. I think Anybody who reads YA is excited to read another book by John Green. His most recent novel came out in 2011, I believe, which was The Fault in Our Stars, which ended up getting a movie um, that was really popular and uh, was just a popular book in and of itself. One of the things that John Green does really well is write dialogue. Um, and I've gone ahead and read the first two chapters of the book, which were published on BuzzFeed. And it looks like he's um, continuing in that trend. Uh, the dialogue is really great between Aza and her friend, Daisy. There's a lot of reflection in John Green novels, and that held true in the first two chapters that I read of this book. Um, personal reflection by main characters, that's kind of what I think ends up shooting out all these quotes that everyone loves. Um, and I'm okay with that if he continues to do that because he writes really beautiful sentences a lot of the time, and I think that he'll continue to do so in this book. The next book I want to look at is Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, the book's official description here. A cannon, a strap, a piece, a biscuit, a burner, a heater, a chopper, a gat, a hammer, a tool for rule. Or you can call it a gun. That's what 15-year-old Will has shoved in the back waistband of his jeans. See, his brother Sean was just murdered, and Will knows the rules. No crying, no snitching, revenge. That's where Will's now heading with that gun shoved in the back waistband of his jeans, the gun that was his brother's gun. He gets on the elevator, seventh floor, stoked. He knows who he's after. Or does he? As the elevator stops on the sixth floor, on comes Buck. Buck, Will finds out, is who gave Sean the gun before Will took the gun. Buck tells Will to check that the gun is even loaded, and that's when Will sees that one bullet is missing, and the only one who could have fired Sean's gun was Sean. Huh. Will didn't know that Sean had ever actually used his gun. Bigger, huh? Buck is dead, but Buck's in the elevator? Just as Will's trying to think this through, the door to the next floor opens. A teenage girl gets on, waves away the smoke from Dead Buck's cigarette. Will doesn't know her, but she knew him. Knew. When they were eight. And stray bullets had cut through the playground, and Will had tried to cover her, but she was hit anyway. And so what she wants to know on that fifth floor elevator stop is, what if Will, Will with the gun shoved in the back waistband of his jeans, misses? And so it goes, the whole long way down, as the elevator stops on each floor, and at each stop, someone connected to his brother gets on to give Will a piece to the bigger story than the one he thinks he knows. A story that might never know an end, if Will gets off that elevator. So I'm really excited about this book. Uh, Jason Reynolds is the busiest man in YA fiction right now. Um, he is putting out books like no other. He's got a lot of middle grade books coming out. Um... He just released a novel, a Miles Morales Spider-Man novel um, that's gotten a lot of really good reviews. 
This book isn't out yet, and it's already a National Book Award finalist. Um, it's written in verse, which I think is really cool. This book deals with a topic that I think Reynolds tackles really well in his other novels, uh, which is the way you react to loss. I'm excited to read it, and I can't wait to get it for our library. So be on the lookout for that when it comes out October 24th. That's all we've got for today, so we'll see you guys next week. Time up. Time up.